You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. And because David hurt their feelings and they didn't get what they want, they decided to come against them. Something to be said about that, gang. Something to be said. Why did that happen? Because they allowed a root of bitterness to grow in their heart. They had something happen to them that they didn't like. They let it fester in their heart and a root of bitterness grew in their heart. A root of bitterness. Something that we have to guard against, gang. Bitterness sometimes feels like it doesn't hurt anyone else. Like we can nurse that little root and it won't affect the rest of our lives. But if you allow it to stay, you're risking everything. Pastor Dave will show us today that root will grow and turn against others. And then we'll find ourselves fighting against God. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 1. As he continues his message, watch out for the pride of life. People get caught in a bad way or a circumstances and other people look into their lives and they see an opening and they take advantage. This happens all the time. Enter David's fourth son, Adonijah. Let's read five through seven. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not rebuked him at any time, saying, Why have you done so? He was a very good looking. He was also very good looking. His mother had borne him after Absalom. Then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah, and the Abathar, the priest, and they followed and helped Adonijah. Interesting. Here comes this young man. They assume he's about 35 years old. He's the brother of of Absalom, the true brother of Absalom, having the same mother. Adonijah means, my Lord is salvation. Adonai, meaning my Lord, and Yah is the abbreviation for Jehovah. So it means, my Lord is Jehovah. What a great name. But sadly, he doesn't live up to this name. He instead, he becomes an opportunist. He becomes an opportunist. Adonijah is David's fourth son, and he's the eldest living son. He's the brother of Absalom, having the same mother, as I said. He knew his father was sick, and he knew his father was basically on his deathbed. He knew that Israel would be without a king soon, but sadly, his pride got the better of him in one statement. I will be king. Go back and read Isaiah 14. Go back and read Isaiah 14. I think it's Isaiah 14. I think it's, yeah, it is Isaiah 14. The seven I wills of Satan, where he basically says, I will do this and I will do that. And I will ascend to the throne most high. I will become like God. Satan, which got him kicked out of heaven. Pride. I will be king. Adonijah exhausts himself to the throne. He made a mistake of thinking his father was incapable of functioning normally. Just like Absalom 
Adonijah was good-looking and hampered, and he was also pampered. It seems as though David didn't take a lot of time with his kids. He didn't chastise them when they did wrong. He didn't correct them when they did wrong. And this says something about parenting. We allow our kids to do all sorts of things, thinking that it's okay for them to do that, when in essence, they're waiting for us to say no. They're waiting for guidance. They're waiting for someone to come alongside and say, this has to be this way. This has to be that way. Train up a child the way they should go, and they won't depart from that. But many of us have to be their friends. They don't need a friend. They need a parent. They have all the friends they need. They need a parent. Someone who will tell them right from wrong. Someone who will guide them into Christ. Someone who will guide them into Jesus' arms. A parent can be a friend, but they need to be a parent first. And sometimes parenting's tough. Sometimes telling your kid no is difficult. It's difficult. And then you cry and scream and yell and holler. That's what you do. The kid's okay, but you cry and scream and yell and holler. We need to take time to discipline our children when they need to be disciplined. And David didn't do that. He pampered his son. He pampered Absalom. He pampered Ammon. He pampered this one. He pampered them all. Very lax. Adonijah violates basic principles of scriptures when we exalt ourselves without God's help. Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7, says this, For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts the other. God exalts. Humble yourself before the Lord, and what happens? He will lift you up. He exalts you. We're not to exalt ourselves. We're not to raise ourselves up. I will be king. I want your seat. I want to be up there on stage. I want that seat. I can do it better than you. Well, you probably can. And if God exalts you to that point, more power to you. We let God lift us up. God is the one who exalts, and God is the one who puts down. We need to be ever careful when we come into that point. I got the feeling, though, when I saw this and I read this, and here we are, David's having a problem with another son. And I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. How long are the effects of sin? How long do the effects of sin go? Well, remember back in 2 Samuel 12, when David had finally confessed his sin about Bathsheba through the prophet Nathan, and God had told him through Nathan in verse 10 of chapter 12, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. The sword shall never leave your house. A long time. The consequences of sin can be lifelong. The consequences of sin can be lifelong. And here we see that in David's life that another son now is rebelling against him. Another son is taking over where he is. Yeah, he was a lax father. Yeah, he didn't do this. But the son has to be responsible for his actions also. Adjanina begins to promote himself to become king. He gathers all this support. He gathers the military people. He gathers Joab. He gathers Abathar the priest. These men have been with David for years and years and years. They've been through David in the dark times. They've been through David in the good times. 
Why now are they standing against him when he's on his deathbed? Why are these men standing against David? I'll tell you why. Because they're opportunistic. They're opportunists. They saw weakness and they wanted to capitalize on it. What's interesting about these men is that according to what we're going to read in the second chapter of 1 Kings, they knew that Solomon was going to be the next king. They knew that the Lord had told David that Solomon would be the next king. And now they're coming against their father. So guess what? It goes back to the old adage. You can rebel against me all you want, but you're really not rebelling against me. You're rebelling against God. You're rebelling against God the Most High. You can come against me all you want. Give me with your best shot. No, I won't sing the song. I know you're glad about that. I know Diego's gone. What song? Okay, anyhow. We have to be careful here. These guys have been with David for so long. They're rebelling against God. They knew the scriptures. Did they forget Psalm 33, verse 11? Did they forget Psalm 33, verse 11? The counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Though they forgot the counsel of the Lord, did they not seek the counsel of the Lord? They're just, why did these men leave David? Anybody think they have an answer? They felt David wronged them. Exactly. They had the feelings hurt. David hurt the feelings. When? Well, remember when Joab didn't do what he was supposed to do and David made Amasa the general of the army after the rebellion? Remember that? Joab was so mad, what did he do? He killed Amasa. How about Abathar? He got mad too because Zadok became the priest and Abathar was left out. They had their feelings hurt, and they just waited for it. They looked at it. They looked at it first. And any time, it's interesting, that when you see the names listed between Abathar and Zadok, and Zadok's name's always listed first. These were strong and brave men, strong men who fought side by side by side with David through thick and thin, good and bad. And because David hurt their feelings and they didn't get what they want, they decided to come against them. Something to be said about that, gang. Something to be said. Why did that happen? Because they allowed a root of bitterness to grow in their heart. They had something happen to them that they didn't like. They let it fester in their heart, and a root of bitterness grew in their heart. A root of bitterness. Something that we have to guard against, gang. It can be a destroyer not only of ourselves, but it can be a destroyer of relationships. A root of bitterness is a bitter pill to swallow, and when it happens, it can physically affect you. How does a root of bitterness affect you? Anxiety. Anxiety, stress, and it takes its toll on its body because this root of bitterness, and it actually produces chemicals in your glands that will harm your body, that will cause you problems. Guzik writes this, bitterness corrupts many, rooted in a sense of personal hurt, and many hold on to the bitterness with amazing stubbornness. What they must do is remember the grace of God that was extended to them and start extending that grace towards other. Love the undeserving. We're to love, right? I make a lot of errors. I make a lot of mistakes. But I always would hope that I would err on the side of grace when it comes to people. Always want to err on the side of grace. 
The root of bitterness when these guys lead them to just have nothing but unforgiveness towards David. Thinking they deserve better, their pride rises up to them and they go, I'll show you. I'll take care of you, David. I'm going to side with this guy because you're out of here. They failed to show the grace of God. They failed to show God's grace in their lives. It goes along with the scriptures that Jesus taught. You want to be forgiven? Forgive. You want to be blessed? Bless. Jesus quite clearly tells us that. Don't let that root of bitterness grow into your heart. We all want the grace of God. We all want God's mercy. But do you give it out? Do you give God's grace back? Do you give God's mercy back? Think about it. If you don't, and you get a root of bitterness, it produces a bitter fruit in yourself and others. And it becomes worse and worse and worse and worse. And it can go into gross wickedness and it can lead to downright despair. Downright despair. Then all of a sudden your principles are corrupt and you can lead all the way. And the root of bitterness can lead you all the way to apostasy. All the way to apostasy. I've seen church after church after church where people have allowed a root of bitterness to grow and they've left the church in such a hate and they don't go anywhere else. We're human beings. Only human being. And sadly, I'll probably hurt your feelings now and then. If I haven't, hang around a while. It's not my intent to hurt anyone's feelings. But that might happen because I'm a frail, sinning human being. I'm a sinner saved by God's grace. But if you let that root of bitterness grow and grow and grow in your heart, you're doing yourself such a disservice. And God wants to do a mighty work in your heart. He wants to love you like you've never been loved before. So you need to sit before him and allow him to take that bitterness away. Give it to him. Or go to the person. And talk it out. But bitterness can produce fruit in others. Your bitter fruit can be spread to somebody else. Your bitter fruit can be spread to somebody else. When you get them on the corner, you go, Then all of a sudden they go, Well, yeah! And the bitterness swells and grows. And what have you accomplished? What have you accomplished? Well, I got a couple of people to agree with me. Great. Bitterness. Whew. I've seen bitterness split church after church after church after church. Church after church. Because we don't expend the grace of God that's been given to us. Sad. These guys had a root of bitterness in them. And when David needed them most, they deserted him. Because they were opportunistic. They saw an opportunity. They saw a weak link. They saw an avenue here. And let's capitalize on this because, boy, we got them now. But praise God, there are always those who are faithful. Praise God, there are always those who are faithful. There are always loyal followers who are faithful to God, faithful to his words. And let's look at the faithful ones. Let's look at 8 through 10. But Zadok the priest, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, good old Shammai Reh, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. 
And Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen, fatted cattle up by the stone of Zolotheth, whatever that is, which is in Enrogel. He also invited all his brothers and the king's sons and all the men of Judah and the king's servants. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet, Benaiah and the mighty man, men, and Solomon his brother. So you had the opportunistic and you have the faithful, the mighty players in this little new soap opera. But just like his brother Absalom, Adonijah throws a giant party and he invites everybody except Solomon. He invites everybody. And he conveniently doesn't ask that look the priests and Benaiah and the others and the mighty men, the leader of David's personal guard. He doesn't invite Nathan, who is the trusted prophet. Doesn't even invite David's mighty men. This must have been sort of a coronation feast. He's setting up for him to be coronated, to be crowned king. They're all declaring him king, king, king. Some of them might have even believed that on David's deathbed, he laid hands on Adonijah to become king. And that could have happened. Why? Because I told you, Adonijah was the oldest living son. And if you look at the law of secession, it's usually the oldest living son who becomes the king. But that's not God's way. We found that out when David was anointed king. It's not God's way. God chooses the foolish things in the world to confound the wise. He takes those who are least and makes them the greatest. He takes the last and makes them first. God does that because of his love. The brothers were there. All the brothers were there except Solomon, so they weren't contesting his claim to be king. I mean, that's the royal line of secession. You look at any monarchy. Go look at the monarchy in England. There's a secession there. There, there. there all is, and that's where it goes. These guys weren't invited. Where were they? Where was Zadok, Benaiah, Nathan? Where's David's mighty men? These servants of God and well, David have been left out. Why didn't anyone ask where Nathan was? Why didn't anyone ask what was going on? Why was everything in secret? They had all these clues. But I think what the main problem was the Lord hadn't been invited to the feast either. I think the biggest problem was that Adonijah left out the Lord. Here is a man whose name means my Lord is Jehovah. A man who is carrying the name of God himself. And he leaves out God? Right away there's got to be a problem here. Right away there is a picture here. All these were lining up. What's going to happen? How's this going to play out? Well, we do know, as we read and continue in the book of 1 Kings, that there's going to be a problem, but Solomon is going to be named king. Bathsheba's son Solomon will be named king because it was God's plan and God's rule, and they knew it, and Solomon would be named king. And there would be heck to pay from those who come against David during this time and come against his son Solomon. 
And the rest of the book of 1 Kings is basically about the rise and fall of Solomon. How Solomon goes through the time being a good king and a not-so-good king. Following God's command and then not following God's command. And all the things that Solomon does, good, bad, and indifferent, are written for us in 1 Kings. And we meet a lot of interesting characters in 1 Kings. And some wonderful men of God come to being in 1 Kings. It's a great, great read, and I'm excited about starting with it. But we have to understand that even as the end of David's life, he's still fighting a battle. He's still involved in the midst of the battle. The battle never ceases, gang. The battle never ceases. We are in a battle. If you've proclaimed Christ as your Savior, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as the sacrifice for your sin, you are going to be in battle until the day you take your last breath. There's always a battle coming. Israel was dancing around. They had it made. Everything was fine. Everything was good. Everything had been restored. God is good. God is great. This is wonderful. And Satan said, not so fast, Israel. Got a few more tricks up my sleeve. Going to pull you down one more time. We have got to ever be aware of those who are opportunistic in our lives. We've got to ever be aware of those who are seeking something else other than God's grace and God's mercy. Somebody who's seeking something else other than the Lord. Somebody who's coming to Calvary Chapel for ulterior motives. For reasons unknown. People who look for the opportunity to pounce. But I'm looking at the faithful right now. I'm looking at faithful saints who come on on a Wednesday, give up your time to hear God's word, who read God's word ahead of time, who study God's word, and who, who, who want to know God more through his son, Jesus Christ, and who come here on a Wednesday night, who come here on a Sunday morning, who come here for men's breakfast, women's breakfast, who come on Monday nights and, and receive a Bible study, who every time the church doors are open, you guys are here. I'm looking at the faithful right now. I'm looking at God's faithful, and it does my heart good, and it makes my, my faith soar when I see you, when you're here. It just encourages me, encourages me so much to continue on what the Lord has started here, continue on and being faithful to everything that he wants to do. It's because of you that we're here. It's because of you that I keep going and keep going and reading the words and studying as hard as I can possibly can. It's because of you and your faithfulness. Opportunistics will come and go. But the faithful we'll have forever. Those who are ever faithful. Those who, who express their love. Love for Jesus Christ. A love for God. That can't be quenched with anything but his word. That's, that's to me, is just so encouraging. And that's the way I'm happy to start a new year out. I'm happy to start this new year out with you guys. My family. The ones I love dearly. Each one of you are so precious to me. So important to me. And I value each one of you. And I value your lives and your families. And I value you. And I pray for you. And I want you to succeed in life. Because know that God has a perfect plan for you. And together, God has a plan for this church. He's going to move this church forward. And he's going to take it to new heights and new different things. And he's going to do some remarkable things in here. And I just feel that in my, in my heart. And I know that God's not finished with any of us. Until that last trump sounds until God calls us home to his glory. And the faith will be called up and he will hear those words. And what will he say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful. You 
This has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Thanks for tuning in. Throughout the book of 1 Kings, we read about rulers who had victories and rulers who failed miserably. King Solomon, known as the wisest king, made his own fair share of mistakes in his life. In fact, in his later years, he began to put his faith in wealth and women rather than wisdom of the Lord. How often do we do that? How often do we put our faith in the worldly things rather than in the Word of God? If you have some questions about what you heard today, we'd be happy to try to answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. Keep looking to Scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the Messages tab when you visit AssureHopeRadio.com. We'd love to meet you, too. Each Sunday, we gather at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., and you can find directions and more about Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting AssureHopeRadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at AssureHopeRadio.com. There's more to learn from the Book of 1 Kings next time, so be sure to join us again right here on Assure Hope.